get ready for the Girls on Games podcast. Your weekly dose of news, reviews, and everything video games. Always served with a good helping of hype and just a pinch of salt. And now, your host, Leah. another Girls on Games podcast. My name is Leah. I'm the host of this show. This is episode number 412. And this week, Kat wants to go on a rant about some Baldur's Gate 3 online discourse. Not all business deals go through. We're going to hear about one. And Netflix is back at it again with the games, but not just on mobile devices. But before we get into that, I want to introduce you to the friendly voices around this digital table. Catherine, how you doing? I'm good yourself. I'm excellent. Joelle, what's up? Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Hi. We're missing Simon again this week. He's feeling a little under the weather, but hopefully he'll be back next week because I want to know how his camping trip was. Right? No, he left us on a cliffhanger. I know, you really yeah. did. You yeah. really did. All right, let's get into a little bit of housekeeping before I find out what the gals have been up to this week. Of course, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this show, you can subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Podbean. If you'd like to get some GOG merch, you can do that by going to designbyhumans.com slash shop slash girls on games. Or maybe you'd like to give us a tip, maybe buy us a coffee. You can do that by going to our Kofi. That's ko-fi.com slash girls on games. Ladies, what have you been up to this week? Catherine? Uh, well, I was on vacation. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I spent... I got two days, really, to relax and play Baldur's Gate 3. Um, and then on Friday, we went to the Laurentians to see my mom. And uh, I took the commuter train for the first time. And it was a 10 out of 10 experience. Honestly, like... Um, Right now, here, like, Canada, there's not a lot of roads, not a lot of highways. Um, there's one that goes from Montreal. It's called the 15. It goes from Montreal. It goes all the way north into cottage country. And that shit is a parking lot Friday, Saturday, going up north. Yeah. And then Sunday oh. coming down. Because mm. so, uh, you know, what's not bogged down by traffic? A train. That's alone on the tracks. So instead of sitting for an hour and a half in traffic for a drive that should take 45 minutes, we took the train and it took an hour, no mm. matter what. Mm. Uh, but what was fun was that we came back Sunday and we grabbed an early train because I was starting work today on Monday. So I wanted to be home early enough to get my shit ready for the next week. Um it was easy to see who was getting on the train to go to Montreal to go to Otaku Kutan, which oh! is our anime convention here. Yeah. So we we get to the we get to the station in Saint Jerome, and somebody's got one of those like one piece straw hat. Um, somebody gets on like at the following station in Maribel. Uh, they've got like. I don't know what it was because I don't know the reference, but they were wearing like almost like a Sims. Like the you know plumb bob thing that goes above their head, yeah, that green but it, diamond oh. thing. But it was something else. It was like a star, but like they were dressed in like fully anime. Like it was something. I just okay. don't know what the franchise is. Um, 
and then on the weekend, like on, on the Sundays, the train doesn't go all the way into downtown Montreal like it does on the week. It just kind of like stop um, in Laval, which is a suburb, but stops at a station next to a metro station. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get off, we go into the metro. Um, there's uh, there's Vegeta on the metro with us. <laughs> Somebody was in full. Just a normal day on the subway just, in Montreal. So <laughs> it was really weird because of the weekend. It was a Takuthon. Mm-hmm. It was Pride, mm-hmm. and Metallica was in town for a couple and of Il shows. Sonic, oh too. my gosh! So, <laughs> like, we were the only two normal ass looking people because <laughs> we were just there with like shorts, t-shirts, or backpack like that had our, our our overnight bag from like spending the night on my mom. Mm-hmm. And there's like there's somebody like they were in a wheelchair and they even had like ra- like on their wheels for rainbow. Oh, oh cool. cool. The actual like I I don't know what they're called uh the part Spokes? that holds I think so. The the sticks uh, that come down that connect yeah, yeah. the middle to yeah, the outside spokes. tire. Yeah, spokes. <laughs> All a different color of the rainbow. Uh oh. full rainbow garb. They were accompanied by somebody else that was also in full rainbow garb. And it, you could tell, like, it's like their normal ass looking, like, middle-aged mom dropped them off at the train. Like, she was looking, like, she looked like my mom, like, gray hair wearing whatever Columbia shirt and shorts. Mm. Um, and then she kind of, like, just kind of opens the door. Like, these two fully rainbow people come out. She goes in the back, like, pulls out the, the rainbow wheelchair, pops it, helps the person sit in there. And she's like, have fun kids goes back in her suburb, like in her <laughs> SUV into her suburban life where they get on the train to go to pride of Montreal. And then it's just like, everybody else was like dressed in anime garb. And it was amazing. And it's just like me and Pascal just being like, we just want to go home because the cat's been alone for like 24 hours and he needs to be fed. Uh, but okay. <laughs> so um, yeah. And the, it was so funny. So funny. Tis I love the season, for though. That. Yeah, tis the yeah. season. Like, uh, it is full force. Like, multiple festivals happening all the time here in Toronto mm-hmm. right now. Like, everything is back. Um, um, Carnival was last week. Yeah, last week. So I got on the bus because I had to go up to Yorkdale because and Mike had to take the the train to work or the car to work because it was uh I think the subway was down or something like that. It was crazy. But yeah, there was girls like all dressed up for Carnival, which was phenomenal. And then like now it's like Taste of the Danforth is on. CNE is about to start. You know, uh, Fan Expo is around the corner. Like uh, Veld was on. Like there's just festival after festival. And I was at a festival the weekend too. Also North Cottage Country, but you know Ontario region. Um, Boots and Hearts was on. So I got to go see Nickelback and Hardy and and uh, Big Wreck and uh, Billy Zimmerman. Uh, sorry, not Billy Zimmerman. Bailey Zimmerman. So, yeah, that mm-hmm. was uh, that was a lot of fun. But, yeah, tis the season, right? August. I feel like that's you go into July and it just rolls right through the month up until uh, the long weekend. It's just like festivals constantly. It, it is. And like in in the middle of that, I'm just trying to live my life. But I'm like, hey. Because my mom offered, she was like, "Oh, maybe Friday I can come pick you up." I'm like, "No, not with Metallica in town. You are not. No, no, no. yeah, and too busy. Honestly, like it's, it's like six buck. Like it's six, six fifty. It's under seven dollars for. Oh the my one god, that's trip. peanuts! You would call. Oh you my would, god, the gas alone, the gas alone, and it's it's not just for the train, it's for your entire trip, even so the subway. She, 
So when you buy a ticket for the external zones, it always includes the smaller zones. So A is like Montreal, B is like Laval-Longue, C, you get into the outliers, and D is like the end of the lines. Okay. So like Mirabel, Saint-Jérôme is like D. Um, you just buy the ticket that says A, B, C, D, E, A, B, C, E, B, C, anyway, the whole alphabet, you buy the whole alphabet <laughs> for like six and a half. Huh. And, and after that, like once you validate, it's good for two hours. Oh. So for us, when we oh. left on Friday, the train was doing the whole like milk run in Montreal. So yeah. we were on the closest station for us is park. Yeah. So we got on the Metro, got off at park, got on the train, mm-hmm. got off at Saint-Jérôme, and then my mom picked us up and because she lives, like, outside of Saint-Jérôme. Like, it's still, like, a good, like, 20-minute drive once we get there, but it's, like, mm-hmm. it's easy for them to just come pick us up. At mm-hmm. Yeah. After wow. that, there's no traffic because it's local driving, right? Yeah. Um, And then on the way back, we validate before we got on the train, and then we used that ticket to get into the metro in Laval. And oh, we wow. got all the way home. Huh. It's peanuts. Like, I don't understand why people insist on driving. I get it. Not having to think about it, too. Like, that's the thing. It's like when you're stuck in that traffic, like Mike and I were on the way out to Boots and Hearts the other day. It's just so much stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Like, it's annoying. Just get on the train. You turn your brain off for an hour and, you know, turn it back on when you got to get off. Mm. And, and like my my mom and her boyfriend, like they live in that area. Like they don't get lost; they get used to it. And they, like my her boyfriend is like an inter like he loves driving. He doesn't mind. Mm. Like when we show up, it's like we always and we're not gonna like go places separately. Like there's four of mm-hmm. us; we fit in a car. So mm-hmm. for them, it's like I was like, if we take the train, like instead of like borrowing a car, are you guys coming to pick us up? They were like, it's fine, it's fine. So once we're there, they kind of like drove us around for mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. activities mm-hmm. but we only did really one activity we went to the Doncaster River Park and we went to ro- walk around the Doncaster River okay which mm. is like a national park a lot of people go there to fish you're allowed to fish oh cool um and we did a bit of hiking we hiked for like 90 minutes in in the nature and saw a river and rapids and stuff nice. I took a lot of photos lovely it yeah. was actually a lot of fun and then uh, the only problem is Saturday night was overcast because there's the Perseids, which was like the meteor shower. Yeah, I heard about that. We missed mm. we missed it because it was overcast. Oh, too but bad. we did. We rode in on Friday night. So we had a late supper with them and then we went outside and sat by the fire to see if we could see some. Yeah. Mm. Pascal saw one or two, but there weren't that many. It was mostly like Saturday night, but it was like. Yeah. Raining cats and dogs and then. Sunday we just kind of like came back into Montreal but yeah yeah it was nice it was nice to like get out of the city and just live slow for like 48 hours mm-hmm. yeah I feel mm-hmm. that I feel that nice Joelle what were you up to I went to Boston Massachusetts Ooh. so I took a little girl's trip um to Boston I had never been before and I loved it it was so fun. Uh, the food was so good. I had the best Reuben sandwich that I've ever had in my entire life. And I love Reuben's. And just like we we found a, a Jewish deli 
uh, that was close to where we were staying. We were out in uh, Cambridge, which is like a first-ring suburb of Boston, mm-hmm. um, about a two mile, two miles um, outside of the city. And man, they, it was delicious. And then we ended up buying bagels for them so that we could have them for breakfast. And it was phenomenal, so good. So yeah, the, the food, the food was great. Uh, we did a lot of the stereotypical uh, touristy things out there, and they did such a good job. I was a little nervous because sometimes, like, when you do those tourist stuff, you just feel like you're, like, I don't know. It's, it's like, where did the money go? Like, why did I pay for that? But they did a really, really good job um, of really kind of placing you, like, in the historical context of, like, actually what happened at Boston because it's a pretty – obviously, it's a pretty significant – um, town for you know, the birthplace like of America and we don't have like too many of those like historical landmarks like in our country because our country is just so new um, mm-hmm. like when I've like gone to Italy or like when I've gone to Greece and and in other countries like you just see all this history that's just baked into to your cities and your towns and there's so much meaning in everything and in Boston of course that's there where you know, like the original buildings are there and they've been worked on and renovated, but like you can, we did the Freedom Trail and so it starts, um, you know, where Boston Commons was and then you can like just walk like the whole uh, perimeter of, of the Freedom Trail and like follow the history of, of what happened and you get a sense, you get like a spatial sense of where things were and how things were laid out and it just really makes the history like concrete and grounded in such like a real tangible way and um they did a, they did a phenomenal job so if you're in, into that and want to experience that in, in the states like I, I would highly recommend it and it, the city architecturally was just so beautiful mm. um and so you know like when you go to chicago or when you're in new york you know this this buildings are so tall and so you kind of mm-hmm. lose sense of like where you're at and you really don't see the sky as much but in Boston, you know, it, it's it's a it's a long and like the city's really spread out, and so you can really see when you look down the street. There's just so many different angles and levels of buildings and different time periods and and architectural references, and so it was it was just gorgeous to walk around and and experience the city. And the people there were like so chill, like you never really felt like unease. Um, you know, you know, we're, we're a group of five women walking around and, you know, we never felt unease or that we weren't safe. Uh, we always felt like we could kind of go anywhere and it was a Friday afternoon and the streets we felt like were like half empty, like downtown. We're just like, where is everyone? It was, it was, I know it was just like, what is happening? And one of my girlfriends, she works in New York. And so when we were walking around, I was like, how does this like how do you feel this compared to like your everyday kind of normal routine? And she's like, it's so strange. She's like, where are all the sirens? Like, where are all, mm-hmm. where are all like the craziness that comes with living in this I'm like large metropolis? <laughs> yeah, like, like where's the rude? Like, where's some of the mm. like bite? Like where's some of the bite? And like, there's just none of that there. People were, they just kind of like left you alone and, and you all kind of did your thing. And even when it was really busy um, on Saturday when we were down there, I don't know, just like people just are doing their thing and they kind of don't care and and people don't kind of bother you. So we, we had a great time. We would definitely go back. Um, it, it was a busy 
was a busy three days and then I got back on Sunday and um kind of later in the afternoon and so I'm still recovering a bit but uh but it was it was a really good time so excellent excellent um I joined the uh for those that you know consume a lot of TikTok content I joined the clean talk crew uh, the other day um in adulting and uh bought myself one of those Bissell steam shots that no way is like awesome yeah, yeah. I, I really <laughs> wanted to try it out. So, yeah, managed to pick one up from good old Canadian Tire and, uh, and gave it a go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the thing is magical. And Catherine, I did the thing. We went in for just the Bissell because I'd already pre-ordered it. We ended up coming out with five additional items. So, of course it did. Good <laughs> old Canadian, Canadian Tire. Ah, uh, that place. That place. But, yeah, outside of that, uh playing video games um and we're gonna get into that but i want to check in with the fantasy critic because today catherine and i like preamble before the podcast and going and clicking on the links reading through trying to wrap my head around how the episode is the the podcast our our group our our fantasy critic group brought me the news it did because I didn't realize as I was flipping down through the Girls on Game podcast feed and looking at all of our details. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw a little calendar with an X on it next to one of the games on my list. Rift and the Necrodancer saying, will not release this year. And I was like, WTF? I didn't hear about that. Immediately mm-hmm. went to Twitter, and yes, five hours ago, Crypt of the Necrodancer announced it's uh, now moving its release until uh, 2024. So yeah, that's not coming out. And then it also didn't dawn on me that uh, last week we talked about a bunch of uh, games getting pushed to next year in that mm-hmm. Devolver presentation, and uh, the Plucky Squire is another one that uh, I now am not going to get any pa- any points for. So... Um, I am going to try to drop a game and I've never, I haven't done that yet. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Have you guys mm-hmm. gone through request? that before? No, but you can request a drop or you can bid on a game and add a conditional drop. So if you get the game that you bid on, you'll drop, mm. it'll replace a game in your list. Hmm. So maybe so I want can... to do that in order. Cause if not, I'm not like, I'm not going to have enough stuff. Well, not, it's either like. I'm going to get some kind of game. Yeah. It's better than zero points because now I've got two yeah. zero points. Yeah. Right. So, All right. but how many, how many games can you drop? I don't know. Uh, that's what we're going to find out now because you don't, I, it's not like I get the money back. That's my understanding. I don't get the money back. Yeah, so no, I have 40 bucks no. to spend on two other games. So this is where it gets you, right? Because you don't mm-hmm. want to spend all your money up, up front. If not, if you get something like this that happens to you, you're up Shit's Creek without a pedal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's try exactly. it. All right. Um, I'm going to drop Rift to the Necrodancer. Make a drop game request. So I run this league, so I imagine I can uh, do that. And now I'm going to request... The plucky squire in dropping that. Um, I don't know what happens now. How do you know whether or not you approve or deny, or is it the system that does it? I don't know. I think it said that like uh, drops or drop requests are processed on Saturday nights. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So I do have 
two pending drops right now, Rift of the Necrodancer and the Plucky Squire. So we'll wait and see then on Saturday, um, well, Monday next week when we jump into this, whether or not that worked. And then I guess I got to look at two other games to pick. So we shall see. Yeah, miss, my card is full. It was full. It was full. That may have worked against me, but here we are. Here we are. Um, When it comes to the league and how things are faring, we haven't had too much movement since last week. Kat's in first. I'm in second. Joelle's in third. Simon is in fourth. Uh, History-wise, anybody do anything? Nope, nobody's done anything since July because we're all kind of sitting pretty waiting. But now we may see some movement over the next few weeks, considering mm-hmm. what I just said. And knowing that people can uh, can shift things around. Hmm. Um, on the community side, uh, a small bit of movement. So Pat's in first, Phoenix is in second, Joelle's in third, Darth is in fourth, Alban fifth, I'm in sixth, Simon is in seventh, and Tim is in eighth. So, um, also curious to know if anybody, so yeah, Tim had the plucky squire and animal. Well, he could drop those two if he wanted, if he ever came back to doing this. Tim, (laughs) Um, yeah, so those are, are done. Uh, let's see. Joelle, you can, you have three, you could potentially drop Rift of the Necrodancer, yep. Senua Saga, Hellblade 2, and Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, which are all not going to be out this year. So uh, if you want to play that, that, that juggling game, you could, you could. I, uh, I already requested a drop because I'd rather, I'd rather try to gain some points than, than nothing. And then, then I got, then I have four slots to fill. So I yeah. got I kind of got to get on it if that uh, <laughs> yeah. if that occurs. So yeah. movement mm-hmm. wise, um, two two things happened. Art Vandalay, I'm pretty sure that's Darth. He picked up two games. He got Blasphemous Two with a bid of two dollars. He dropped the game Pepper Grinder conditionally. So that's I guess exactly what you were talking mm-hmm. about. And then he also picked up Wizard with a Gun with a bit of six bucks. So, yeah, we're going in for the deep cuts now, friends. Yep. Deep cuts because Mm -hmm. all the big hot tamales are already taken. All right. Yep. Let's talk about actual games that everybody's playing. Kat, I don't want you to get into your rant yet. I would rather hear about your experience that you're continuing with Baldur's Gate 3 now. And then when we get into news... Then you can rent. Be happy yeah. first, though. Okay. I, this game. <laughs> See, I knew she was going to be happy about it. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish I had more time to play during my vacation because as I play, I'm like, yo, I already know what I want to do in my next playthrough. Um, I already apparently I stabbed somebody to death, unfortunately, and turns out they could have been in my party. And I'm like, Damn. Um, but I don't want to go back. I'm like, at this point, it's like D&D. You got to live with your choices and move forward. I'm not going to do that save reload a lot. So, yeah, Mm. I might do. I think my next playthrough will be a dark urges one where you play somebody that gives in. You just become evil. (laughs) Basically, fuck me up, Larian Studios. Uh, Give me the... (laughs) I'm going to try it, but yeah. Do so f- your worst. Yeah, because apparently it is fucked up. Um, mm. So I will, I'm just, no, really, 
enjoying it. I I was chatting with a friend who wanted to play it, but he doesn't like the, like the CRPG like click and point. And I was like, bro, been playing with a controller, and I think you'll like it if you can deal with like radial menu hell. Hmm. Um, but he's waiting for it to come on Xbox. So I'm like, <laughs> good luck. Because um, huh. from what I hear, their problem with the Xbox port is the Series S. Because this game is hungry. Hmm. Uh, I think the Series S is highly underpowered for Baldur's Gate 3, unfortunately. Huh. So. That's, that's too bad because... That, that's a that's the console I would have gone for. Like if I was gonna get an Xbox, and so for it to not be able to perform would be kind of a bummer. Yeah, because it, it's it's not a four K, it's not a four K console, and it's one it's more like a streaming mm. Game Pass X Cloud console, and um, Baldur's Gate is something like a hundred gigs or something to install. And it's highly recommended to do it on an SSD. Oh, okay. I think the Series S has an SSD, but it's like... Because it's... uh, Let me see on my library. Does it tell you how how much... I, I think I have to go on the store page. Yeah, store page. I might have to get one... I might. I will have to get one when it comes out on PlayStation. Then. Yeah. 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 Or so wipe your hard drive. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, or just wipe it all, which I don't want to do. So. Yeah, okay. I would say doing wow. that. Yeah, better, I better budget accordingly. This is an expensive game, but I have to get one anyway. But yeah. Where do I? Now I install it, so they don't want to tell me. Okay. Um, system requirements. 150 gigabytes available. Uh, space SSD Ooh. required. Ooh. That's for the PC version. Because what what they recommend? They're telling you to use a solid state drive. Yeah, they're t- they're yeah. telling you Whoa. not to put okay. it on. The minimum <laughs> the minimum processor is an Intel i5 4690 or an AMD FX 8350. Eight gigs of RAM. The minimum for graphics is a GTX 970. I had a GTX. I think I, I think like my previous computer was like just enough to make it run, or a mm. RX four eighty, and then yeah, well, one hundred fifty yeah. gigabytes available space SSD required. The recommended is an Intel i seven, uh, eighty seven hundred K or an MD R five three sixty sixty giga gigabytes of RAM, and an Nvidia two hundred sixty Super or an RX five um. 5700 XT series with 8 gigs of virtual RAM. So that is that is hefty. Mm-hmm. And I think the Series S probably sits somewhere near the minimum. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's been the scuttlebutt online of why why it hasn't come out on Xbox yet. Because I, I think they have to release for both consoles. Yeah, it's part yeah. of their mandate. They have to oh. be able to go on both consoles. That's kind of like oh, what okay. they... You never know. That may change at some point, though. Yeah. Or they'll have to make, like, 
you know, like The Witcher 3 on Switch, which was a fucking downgrade. They might have to make a mm, yeah. a downgrade version for Series S. And then on Series X, you download the... The big mother load. Yeah. yeah. The, hmm. So, um, yeah. But uh, what was I saying? It's a good game. Fuck, <laughs> I'm happy I bought a computer for it. I'm happy I didn't wait to play it. Yeah. And I'm uh, already looking into who I'm going to romance. Nice. All the stories coming in soon. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Jamal? Uh, what are you playing? I have... I didn't get too much gaming in because of the trip and like getting ready for the trip, but... I am still working on uh, Diablo 4 uh, co-op. And then also I started Kentucky Route Zero on my iPad on the plane. What is that? Through my Netflix account. It was crazy. What um, is it? So it's a point and click adventure game. Um, it was released in... I have the wiki up here. Uh was where why doesn't it tell me the year it was developed by cardboard computer and then it was um like launched by annapurna interactive and it's been out for a while there we go uh 2013 it was uh, originally released in 2013 uh it's a point and click adventure game and it's like a kind of like a darker mysterious like um supernatural type of game like it does it kind of like plops you in and you gotta kind of figure out what's going on Mm -hmm. um but it's based in uh the outskirts of kentucky and you're a delivery driver and you're you want to get this package out to uh this mysterious address that you have and you have to take this unmarked road to get there and so you have to go to all of these different types of uh, NPCs and figure out how to get there. So um, it's really cool so far. Uh, the art style is really uh, lovely, um, like uh, like, t- like 2D kind of art style, um, very darker themed. The music is fantastic, um, really fun music. And uh, the animation is really clever, the way that they use like lighting and things like that. So, you know, for me, it's a perfect game. Uh, to play on the iPad, you know, really easy. You just, you know, touch the t- touch the screen on, on the iPad. Um, worked great. So I, I wasn't able to finish it because I got sleepy. <laughs> I was falling asleep <laughs> on the plane. So I was like, I uh, I better uh, put this way. So I got I got to finish it. But it was really great. I can't I can't wait to kind of dive back in and um, and get more into it. And uh, you do have a lovely uh, doggo companion with you who has a straw hat on, and his name is Blue. And so mm. you you get to check in with Blue every once in a while and give Blue treats. And so it's a nice juxtaposition from Endlings that I was just playing. So I'm making sure my doggo is well cared for um, as I go. So... When I looked I, uh, up the uh, artwork for it, um, mm-hmm. most of it is like in-game art, but then there is this one image that is, uh, I guess, it looks like the dog. At first, I thought it was a rabbit or something because his ears are so long, yeah. but it must mm-hmm. be the dog wearing the straw hat, and yeah, it's pretty it's the cute. Bl- the bloodhound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's been around for a while. It's been on my uh, backlist or backlog for, for some time, and so I just thought this was the perfect opportunity to 
to um to play it and i'm and i'm glad i did like it i it's perfect for for a, a mobile or tablet device so i'm excited to to finish it and to try other games this way too so nice and we have more stories about that coming up too sure do yeah uh, I am still playing Tears of the Kingdom, but I also realized when I was checking through my emails the other day that I have access to the beta for Palia. Have you guys mm. heard of this game? You talked uh, about it for about it before. Yeah, so it's a cozy game, kind of Stardew Valley E, um, but it's a MMO. So I'm very intrigued. Uh, reviews so far, it's been out for uh, a little bit. Um, the beta, uh, lots of people been playing it. I've been seeing it on YouTube and things like that. But uh, I haven't had a chance to jump in yet because, you know, Zelda. Um, but yeah, I yeah actually it started on August second. The uh, the beta, and then after the initial beta, everyone will be able to dive into the free to play life simulator as of August 9th. So that's available now. It is supposed to come to Nintendo Switch later after uh, sometime this year. So they said uh, I think this story might be old that I'm reading from. No, it's actually from the second. So I guess they haven't launched the date yet. It's on my uh, on my I want to playlist. Um, so mm. yeah, I'm very curious. I was kind of holding out to see if I could get it on Switch. So I was on play on Switch, but it's been a little while since I played a game on my PC. So I, I think I might give it a go. And hopefully, I'm hoping my uh, progress will carry over because you are tied into like an account. Like you need to have a Palia account. So oh, okay. okay. So I'm hoping that that carries over if I give it a go. But yeah, I'm intrigued. You know me. I love a good farm sim. Whenever mm-hmm. I can dive into one, right? And yep. I'm not going to lie, like, I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom and I'm still super obsessed, but at the same time, I'm trudging right now, just trying to, like, collect stuff and level up my armor and do all these kinds of things, and I'm just like, Ugh. Yep. Like, should I just go and get the... F- move on yeah, in the story? It, I don't know. Should I? Should yeah. I? Maybe. At one point, that's what happens with Tears of the Kingdom. Like, you explore yeah. and you're like, this game is f- infinite and I can do whatever. And at one point, you run out of steam and you're like, okay, I'm done. I want to play and actually finish the story. So, yeah, um, I mean, I've done a lot of the big things. So, yeah, I might just slowly make my way through. But outside of that, I kind of want to hear Catherine rant about Baldur's Gate 3 and the discourse oh, yeah. online. And uh, oh, yeah. I think we should get into that because, uh, you know, he... We here love a good rant. Yeah. A rant and rage, you know? Yep. All right. We're going to get into that after this break. And we're back. And as I teased before, I kind of want to know why Kat's not happy. Kat, <laughs> why are you not happy? <laughs> I am not happy because some asshole decided <laughs> to rage farm some engagement on IGN. So it starts with a thread from Zeladia Delson Jr., who's an indie game dev. And he tweeted, like I'm, like a lot of people, I'm deeply excited about what the lovely folks at Larian accomplished with Baldur's Gate 3, but I want to gently, preemptively push back against players taking that excitement and using it to apply criticism or raise standards to RPGs going forward. Um, and then the whole thread basically talks about this specific context of this game where they were privileged and they basically had a lot of freedom that a lot of like dev studios don't get to have. So this thread uh, basically talks about a few things, including the fact that 
Larry, this game didn't pop out of nowhere. You know, Larian did Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin 2, which were commercial success and were easy for them to then convince Hasbro to let them make a D&D game again. Um, and, you know, how we talked recently about how D&D is more in the mainstream now, thanks to Stranger Things, the D&D movie, a lot of like big D&D streamers, including Critical Role, Dimension 20, you name it. Um, I basically, the whole thread will be linked. And then on at IGN, there was a video and they titled it Baldur's Baldur's Gate 3 is causing some developers to panic. As if the success of Baldur's Gate 3 is causing the whole industry to rethink what they're doing at the drop of a hat. Um, And there was a follow-up post on insert credit that said, yelling is not journalism. And I have to agree with Brandon Sheffield of insert credit because that whole video has a lot of fallacies and it's engagement farming through rage. Yeah. Um, And it's not about, not because one AAA game manages to beat all odds and publish a polished game from the get-go means that every AAA game can and will do the same. Um, and you can't compare apples with oranges. So, and in this video is like, let's say he compares cyberpunk Mm -hmm. cyberpunk released on multiple platforms, including two unreleased consoles. Mm -hmm. They couldn't, they couldn't win. Yeah. They couldn't, there's no way they could get that. And then there's, um, a star Wars Jedi survivor that had PC issues. There's always, and it's just like, and you're, what you're using as an example is a game that had a three year early access to polish that only released on one platform. That's going to release on the second platform a month and a half later. And that's going to release on the third platform somewhere in the next six months. So, um, if I may. This uh, random person from IGN. Did you mean uh, Destin? Destin, yes. Destin's not random. I know. <laughs> I know he's random to I'm, you. I've been following his stuff for a while, and he's usually pretty. Uh, it's a pretty. I'm using it as a derogatory term. Okay. <laughs> so, Mister, he's, he's random in he, this context. Yeah, he, you don't you don't agree with his thought process and theories and 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 uh, uh, and no. opinions in this one. Yeah. No, because he says money has become the main drivers for game, um, you know, because of like he cites games like Destiny 2 and um, Diablo 4, like being forcing a lot of microtransaction and being built around as with microtransaction as the center of their thing. I'm like, yeah, they're live games. Yeah. Baldur's Gate is a single player game. Tears of the Kingdom is a single player game. Elden Ring is a single player game. Not the same thing. Destiny 2 and Diablo or are built to last 10 years. So yeah, they're going to have microtransactions. Yeah. Um, and yes, they're going to focus on the microtransaction that brings them more money. Yeah. Um, and um, Destin, buddy, 
Game studios are corporation. I'm telling you now, there are corporate entities. What? I have worked, yes, I have worked at what? the likes of Bell Media, where Leah still works, which is one of the biggest corporation. Bell is the biggest corporation in Canada. And a lot of my day-to-day, and a lot of like the corporate treasury that I dealt with with Bell, I deal with today at Ubisoft. And when I talk to my, to my mutuals, I work at EA and Eidos. Microsoft and everywhere else, they deal with the same corporate bullshit. So yeah, games are about money because they're a corporate product. Yeah. I know it, it, you don't want to hear this because they're creative outputs, but they're just like movie. Mm-hmm. It's a, I am a corporate stooge. I'm a game dev and a corporate stooge. They can go hand in hand. Um, and you know, like he cites games like Baldur's Gate 3. Single player game doesn't need microtransaction. The success didn't come out of nowhere. The polish didn't come out of nowhere. It's built on Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2. They had three years of early access. And now they have the big machine of Hasbro and Dungeons and Dragons behind them to help. Mm -hmm. Tears of the Kingdom gets to have that luxury to polish as much as they want. Because Nintendo has a near infinite cash reserve. Because they're the only gaming company that seems to be financially savvy at this point but also they know that if this release fails they're fucked mm-hmm. so they put all the thought and cares into Zelda because they know they're going to make that money back no matter when the game releases um, and he also cites Elden Ring as an example Elden Ring FarmSoft has basically carte blanche because of their previous releases and their legion of scare it's of loyal fans so loyal that it's scary uh, because you can't criticize a from soft game without getting piled on and that insert uh coin article i basically like agrees with them uh it's basically we make the the same points you know like Baldur's gate 3 launch at a polished state because of early access Here's the kingdom because Nintendo has literal billions of dollars in cash reserves. They can afford to take as long as they want on a game because they have the money to do so. Mm. And they don't have to sell the game right now to make money for development. They already have mm-hmm. that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from software, from their past success, I led to be given a blank check and a ready when it's ready attitude. Most studios, we don't get this. We don't get this luxury. Um, you, yeah, you and, named three games. Three games of how many that have come out this year? Yeah. How many? And Elden Ring didn't even come out this year. Didn't it come out last year? Came out last year. Yeah. So, like, out of the hundreds of games that release, you know, Mm. like, there's so many that that they're going to pinpoint three that managed to do it. Yes, maybe that's the right way to do it and give the game the time it needs to to build. But then it all, there's so many other things, other factors that come into the mix on this. And making money isn't bad. No. You want to live? I want to eat? I need a roof over my head. Why is it so We're, wrong for me to want to make money? Why yeah. is it? Where are we coming out with this sellout attitude towards stuff? I know yeah, the cap- there's bad times where it's like shitty, but like, and you there's We're certain the microtransactions. Yeah, it's going to happen. Like, yeah. the housing costs are going up. Food is exceptionally expensive. Like, 
And you, you want you want these entertainment activities. They are not created in a void by magical mystical elves. Like it's real people putting in hard labor. Like, well, and and this this hobby is a luxury. Yeah, you know, it it's not it's not something that it's like it's not equivalent to at least for for starters like it's not equivalent to like the writer strike that's happening in hollywood it's just like mm-hmm. it, it's not the same thing and you also like it, it's impossible to satiate gamers anyway but yeah it's like when when did we when did we <laughs> Like, think this wasn't about money. I'm very confused. It's always been about money. Like, I don't know. But, it's very funny. And where where I agree with the insert coin, um, insert credit, like Brandon Sheffield of insert credit, is he's using angry gamer language. And he's basically saying us as consumers, like we're not taking seriously when they release the subpar games. Uh, and it's like, you think, you think game devs don't know that? Yeah. If you release a subpar, like it's going to affect sales, it's going to affect revenue, it's going to affect the company you work for, it's going to affect your bonuses, it's going to, like a lot of game devs, like they could come in on a project and realize they're working on a on a turd, or they're really working on something that could be good, but it's not going to be good because of like, because we have tight deadlines, because we have to go out by this financial quarter, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, you know, tied to... Uh, sometimes to tax credits and things like that it's like it's and he says like um destin says that saying that making games is hard is not an argument it is it is an argument because destin if i were to send you the trc which is the technical requirement constraint list just for playstation you would fall on the ground go into a fetal position and cry. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you need to finish this because then I'm sending you Microsoft mm-hmm. and Steam because we're releasing on PC and Xbox as well. By the way, once Q, like we have to f- answer to all of this. Yeah, There's probably it's stuff that hard. conflicts. You never know, right? Like it is, And that's just like platform. This is just mm-hmm. one aspect of game dev. Um, you got to balance budget, platform, deadlines, performance, quality, and you got to do it knowing that you have shareholders that are expecting a certain return on investment. And aligning with a calendar of other games that are releasing and a marketing strategy and a social commitment and and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And somehow have a creative iterative process that fits within this business model. Mm -hmm. Like of all the things I've worked on, games is the fucking hardest. Because it's so many moving parts, mm-hmm. way more than any piece of software. And the stakes are high because it's a big ass budget. And if it fails, it's just millions and billions of dollars that you lost. Mm-hmm. And nope, there's only Nintendo that's financially stable right now or can take these kinds of hits. Yeah. Over and over and over. Every time, like every time you have a success. Um, like a big success, like um, let's say like the the new Jedi Survivor, like the new Jedi franchise that Respawn is doing. Mm-hmm. They're they're basically helping EA dig themselves out of the problem they had with Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem, mm-hmm. because it's all the same money, it's all the same bucket. Yeah, and it's like for every live game, 
like for every Rainbow Six and every For Honor at Ubisoft, it helps pay for, you know, whatever development cycle we need for Assassin's Creed Far Cry or even like games like Phoenix, the Phoenix the thing, the yeah, lady with the right, wings. The, yeah, the one that we that they now, I guess, canceled development on what they were going to do is their their second one. Re Phoenix Immortals. Phoenix Immortals Phoenix Rising. Immortal Rising. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Sorry, I was stuck on the internal name. That was not the commercial name. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's like you need you need your cash cow. You need your money cow. Like Apex Legends and League of Legends yeah. are doing that for for EA and Riot. And I, I you mean, know, help help me remember because like it seems like the success of this game, like we talked about last week, like was surprising. So like is yes. this so is the fact that like it's so well done and then like it's it's surprising how well it did like leads then you know news outlets to to report and take this spin on it of like yeah. oh so these uh, are the words we're expecting but it's it's like i don't know i, I it, it's very uh, strange it's just very it's a very strange i feel like spin yeah. to take and like a, a, a an avenue to take on the, this game and also because the game had so much lore to build off of like tech mm -hmm. usually when you have that pool of a uh, creative foundation already there, usually things are much better on the other side. Like it's, it's way yeah. easier to when you have that foundation. So I just thought this was a very, it's like, it's, I, it's, I'm, I'm it's, perplexed. It's weird. Like I didn't expect that. Of, I expect yeah. that of places like Kotaku. I didn't expect that of IGN. I don't I expect agree. that of somebody like Destin. Yeah. Um, and the title is so fucking weird. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, like, much, are you panicking? It could, it could be, <laughs> no. like, I definitely think there are learnings to come of it. Like, the concept yeah. of having a, a beta period mm -hmm. where you can test thing, test the waters and whatever. But that means that, like, development cycles and game plans and project management has to change to adapt for that, right? Mm -hmm. And, and not, still, like, not seven everybody years it took not, to make this yeah, game. Not yeah, every game yeah. can do that. Like, no. can you imagine if we had a beta period for Spider-Man 2? Oh my gosh. I wouldn't want that. That's exactly it. Yeah. So it makes it really hard because, like, in something like Baldur's Gate 3, yes, of course, there's going to be key story things and whatever that are going to get out. But a lot of it is built around the community and and stories that people make themselves, mm -hmm. right? Their, their own narratives. When if you have a purely story game, I mean, that's why Atlas wouldn't let people see Persona 5 and stream Persona 5 because then it yeah. essentially ruins it, right? Yeah. So you can't do that. So I don't think it's right to expect that from everybody, but it does go to show that there are benefits when you're making a certain type of game of doing something like this, right? Yeah. I the one thing like I agree is that it is a good example of hey we can release these kinds of polished narrative single player experiences and yeah. the gamers will show up if you make a good game and if you make a good story. Yeah. Mm. The crux is not that Baldur's Gate 3 was polished. The crux is that it's an amazing story with an amazing it's an amazing game with an amazing story and people play not because they like Dungeons and Dragons, but because they want that high fantasy Dragon Age like experience or whatever. And because a lot of people like a lot of the D&D nerds that were waiting 20 years for a new Baldur's Gate game. Yeah. Played it and said, this is good. And then you're like, oh, it is good. 
And, and it's, it's also know. like the right thing hitting at the right time, Kat. Yeah. Like, it's oh, just yeah. like, it hit There's at the right look. time. It's like when, when Animal Crossing came out, oh, March my 2020, yeah, it would have done well no matter what. It did gangbusters because it hit the nail on the head when it came to release timing. And that sometimes is just serendipitous magic. And, you know, it kind of looks something similar for Baldur's Gate 3 because, like we talked last week, of the perfect storm of all these things kind of coming together. Yeah. But that could have also been planned, too. They also released three weeks early to avoid Starfield. To avoid Starfield. I was just going to say, yep. Yeah. Yep. They they pivoted, which in, in this kind of climate, like, you have to. If you want to yeah. make that splash and you want to get the but attention... It- yeah, but also, and I want to say by polish release, we don't mean bug free. Because right. some of these hotfix patch notes were amazing. Like apparently some Ginth Yankee armors had clipping with two of the penises that you can choose for your character. <laughs> nice. So, you I, know, some, if you rolled a Ginth Yankee, there was, uh, with a, a penis, there was one out of four chances that you were rocking out with your dick out. But like what um, what rational well rational and gamer in the same word but I just feel like <laughs> what you know who expects a game to come out and like you you pre-order and you start playing it right away if you have the expectation that it's going to be bug free like that's your fault like you're setting and, yourself up for all that disappointment and I'm Aside sorry from f- cyberpunk but I'm just saying that like yeah. you have to yeah. just accept the reality that it's not going to be totally perfect. like totally perfect like you're you're, you're just gonna run into stuff because and people with the rose colored glasses that game used to not need patches and i'm like yo i've had many like knights of the old republic at one point my character walked into a wall and i couldn't get out and i lost 50 hours of game lost oh yeah because yeah. i was stuck there yeah, if, any, get if, out. if anything, we are in a privileged time of like where games get fixed before games it was get like you fixed. Yes. You live with the bugs or if yes. you played on PC, you waited for modders to fix the game for you. Yeah. Yeah. Now the studios are actually fixing the games themselves. Yeah. Constantly. And if you don't want microtransactions, don't play a live game. <laughs> and don't come at me saying Assassin's Creed has microtransactions. You can easily play the game and ignore them. Like, you yeah. still get the core gameplay. There's nothing locked behind microtransaction other than fucking, like, extra armor and cute shit or... Or sometimes a an, speedier way to level up. Yeah. Often but nothing game-breaking. No, nothing. It's like, yeah. if you ignore the microtransactions, studios will eventually realize that there's no reason for, for them to make it. If they keep making them, it's because people keep buying them. Mm-hmm. And I'm, if sure. they're not for you, you don't buy them. If they're for people that want to spend their money on cosmetics and skins in Diablo 4 or whatever armor in Destiny 2, fucking let them do it. Well, like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the pack that I was looking at today in Diablo, it was 10 bucks. And I'm just like, well, like... I could do this. Like, do I really want to do this? But it's it's not like it's asking a lot. It's just like, well, if I, you know, the game was seventy, so it's like, well, if I want this, it's another ten dollars. I've already I've already played forty hours of the game, so I'm just like, well, maybe mm-hmm. I do want this if I'm going to play this long. I mean, that seems expected. Like, it doesn't it doesn't bother I, me any. I can still play the game just fine. Yeah, I, it's like microtransactions are here to stay, but I, I yeah, 
one thing that I agree is like when you see games like Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate 3 is they're outliers, but also they're a great way for us to point and be like, not every game needs to be a multiplayer yeah. online experience. I mean, Baldur's Gate does have a multiplayer aspect because of the party, mm-hmm. but you can st- even though it has this online multiplayer aspect, doesn't really have microtransaction. It's about buy the game and have the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still room for that and for it to be profitable. The problem is that you need to have like a good, artistically speaking, you need to have a good product. And not every studio is good at doing that. Mm-hmm. Or wants to let their devs be good at doing that. Mm-hmm. So or has the you- investment to be able to hold something back to mm-hmm. make it polished. If not, they yeah. might just have to release or that's it, right? Yeah, so yeah. They, it's... I'm sorry to say, but yeah. Games are fucking hard to make. And I'm. what I don't like about this video is he's fostering this angry gamer speak. Like, as a journalist, you're supposed to be, like, not as in, like, the voice of the industry, but you're in between the gamers and the industry, and you're supposed to be, like, this neutral ground of this voice of, like, you're supposed to call out, yes, the industry when it does bad and show when it does good, but you also need to call out gamers when they're harassing devs. Yeah. And he's, this video was basically like an angry YouTube Hmm. gamer YouTube, but it's on IGM. It's from somebody that writes for them. That's respected. And that has Mm -hmm. like this clickbaity title. And now I'm just like, yeah, well, I mean, an AI could have done this video. I'm sorry, dude, but, um, I'm just kind of disappointed in this kind of like engagement farming. And I guess, you know, they won because I'm angry, but at the same time, it's like, you don't know how hard it is to work on these products and how when when you work on like like myself on a life game you do realize that like without microtransactions a game would just shut down after a year or two mm-hmm. no matter the publisher and that's why yeah, like it's expensive yeah mm. yeah and it could be worse you know, there are franchises like Call of Duty that not only have microtransactions, but have you buy a new game every year almost. Mm-hmm. Like, I would look at these types of things because some games I look at, they're like, they're not predatory. No. monetization. No. And I think that's important to find mm-hmm. this. And it, yeah, it's important to say, yo, if Baldur's Gate can do it, other people can do it. But the problem is, will management, corporation, sweet, sweet, C-suite, let us do it. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Diablo 4 took 10 years to make. Mm-hmm. It wasn't parked like Baldur's Gate. It was fucked up by management, by C-suite, by the corporate entity that is Blizzard Activision. It spiraled it into development hell every bad decision about Overwatch 2, you think that came from the devs? No. They were forced to release a product before it was ready, before it added everything they had promised. It's... I'm sorry. That was my rant. Of, <laughs> are you? I'm like, I, I doubt that I want to defend the devs that... I, yes, I will defend the devs that put out a bad product because it's not yeah. the everyday programmer and artist... And game designer mm-hmm. that made sure that game was bad. It's somebody that was looking to make a buck mm-hmm. and made sure your game was bad. 
Yeah. And I, yeah, just reiterating that a company wanting to make money if it's not malicious is not a bad thing. No. No. Right? You want more games? This is how more games get made. You want good, more quality, like good uh, life enriching and like experiential games. Yeah. You got to pony up, man. It's expensive, man. It's expensive. Yeah. And then they'll yell that games are $90 and that you finished it. And when we you finished a hundred hour game in one weekend and you don't have a new one yet. It takes seven years to make Baldur's Gate three. Yeah. It takes like the same amount for Tears of the Kingdom. Like, yep, it's true. It's true. Good things take time. We can't pump out content mm. every year like this. Yeah, for you to like just go like nom 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 nom. nom. That's why live games are there. Play mm. Destiny while you wait. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. It's funny we're talking about like development and business and stuff like that because the next story that we have. Um, it's kind of rare that we hear about deals that don't go through. Like we were really, Mm -hmm. we're really still kind of sitting on the fence trying to figure out what's going to happen with the Activision blizzard acquisition of Microsoft. Mm -hmm. But this story, um, that Joel, did you add this one to the list? Or this is a cat one. Is a cat one. Uh, Yeah. So cat bring us through this one because yeah, it's not very often that we hear about a, a deal that's gone. That's fallen through. Yep. So, um, in May 2023, Embracer announced the collapse of a massive partnership. And, you know, Embracer was like on a spending spree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they bought from Square Enix, they bought the Canadian studios, they include Eidos, what yes. was Square Enix Montreal that was essentially closed, and uh, Crystal Dynamics. Um, and, uh, yeah, they announced the collapse of one of a massive partnership and then they went into costs saving and cost-cutting things. Um, apparently, it would be through Savvy Games from Saudi Arabia. They were supposed to have a $2 billion deal. So, Embracer said that the parties had reached a verbal commitment in October 2022 that would have resulted in more than $2 billion in contracted development revenue over a period of six years. Hmm. So this was like a big thing for Saudi Arabia because they've they've emerged in like I think it was January, yeah, January 2022. Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund or public investment pub was setting up an attempt to invest in gaming and to diversify the economy. Um it immediately announced the 1.5 billion purchase of two esport firms. And there was a big thing because you know like Esports event were supposed to happen in Saudi Arabia, and I think it was a Rainbow Six event. And athletes were like, I can't go because I'm gay and they're going to put me in jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole controversy um, because it's a very conservative and uh, controlled country. So now it kind of came out from this article from Axios that, yeah, that deal mysteriously and dramatically collapsed last spring and so yeah we don't know why it collapsed but uh yeah because embracer and savvy announced a stock deal last june 
But then savvy executive Atoll Axios and others that their operation, which has a board chaired by Saudi Crin Prince Mohammed bin Salman, is a genuine effort to get into gaming and address the professional and leisure interests of the kingdom's youthful population. It's nonetheless being been accused of being a distraction from the country's human rights record, similar to criticism of so-called sports washing that emerged from Saudi-backed efforts in boxing and golf. Yeah, it was a big news story about the golf stuff um, yeah. that was coming out and people signing up to be in a big tournament and stuff like that. Um, remember that being a, a huge news story that uh, Phil DeFranco was talking about for a bit. Um, yeah, craziness. But yeah, it's, you know, they even say in this that uh, this group uh, over the past two years, the PIF, that's a public investment fund from Saudi uh, Arabia uh, has become one of the largest shareholders in several major gaming companies, including Nintendo, Take-Two Interactive, and Electronic Arts. Oh, wow. Huh. So, yeah, but interesting to find out why it didn't happen, you know? And it, you know, it. everything else, know. it seems like they were able to spend money on. What stopped them from doing it for uh, Embracer Group? Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, I don't know why they why they stopped. I don't know why it fell through. Yeah, I think it says, right now. Go ahead, sorry, cat. No, but it said that uh, right now they've they've reached out for comment, but both said no. Yeah, what's next? Embraceable will announce its latest quarterly earnings Thursday, when it may begin mm-hmm. to detail cost reductions, which has promised to have in place by October first. Meanwhile, some Embracer divisions continue to announce new games, and Embracer still has a lucrative deal with Amazon, which is committed uh, in December to publish the next Tomb Raider game as it, too, attempts to establish itself as a big player. Uh, it's a player in big-budget gaming, but some Embracer mm-hmm. studio projects are getting canceled, and one studio, Campfire Cable, announced last week that it has been shut down due to Embracer's group's restructuring. Mm. I mean, I do feel like they kind of came out of the woodwork and just started buying stuff left, right and center, which, you know, looks great. But then, you know, sometimes does collapse when people it's almost like your your eyes are too big for your stomach. Right. And Mm -hmm. you buy all this stuff. You can't fit it all on your plate and then just goes in the garbage because you don't know what to do with it. Right. Yeah. I know that they probably were looking for IP that they wanted to own, including Tomb Raider. Um, But, yeah, it's. uh it's kind of crazy because, like I said, it's not very often that you hear about a deal going south, especially this big. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's huge. And I, I wonder if it went south because Embracer noped out after all the stories coming out of Saudi Arabia and you know the problems mm-hmm. and events being canceled once athletes find out that they can't actually be safe in that country. Yeah, yeah. because of <laughs> the country's government. Yeah, totally. Totally possible. The last story we have to chat about today, uh, we also mentioned this earlier, since Joelle is playing some Netflix games on her uh, iPad, and Mm -hmm. I've played some. I played Terranil on my iPad and stuff like that. But uh, it sounds like they're reaching beyond the mobile devices now. Joelle, take us through it. They sure are. So hot off the presses today, it was... Uh, reported that Netflix is going to launch tests of games on TVs, PCs, and Macs. So Windows and Macs. So uh, two years after initially launching a selection of games on mobile devices, Netflix is kicking the tires on letting customers play certain titles 
on computers and internet-connected TVs. Um, so Netflix announced that it's rolling out a limited beta test to a small number of members in Canada and the UK, so not in the US this time, uh, starting today, Monday, August 14th is when we're recording this, and um, on PCs and Macs through Netflix.com on supported browsers over the next few weeks. To play games on TV, Netflix is using customers' mobile phones as a controller because they already have that in their hands most of the day, is what the Netflix VP of games, Mike Verdu, uh, wrote in a blog post announcing the test. So on PCs and Macs, uh, members can play on games uh, through their web browsers using a keyboard and mouse. The two games that are going to be offered as a part of this initial beta is going to be Oxenfree, uh, from Night School Studios, uh, which is a really fun um, indie indie kind of psychological thr- thriller game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Mining Adventure, a uh, gem mining arcade game. So it looks like you got like a point and click adventure and then an arcade game coming. Uh, last fall, uh, Verdue had announced that the company was seriously exploring cloud gaming to be able to extend to... Uh, all types of uh, games and to be playable on TVs and computers. And so this limited beta is meant to kind of test their streaming technology and how the phone is going to be used as a controller to improve the member experience over time. So, yeah, Netflix games on TV will run on select devices from initial partners, including Amazon, Fire TV, streaming media players, Chromecast with Google TV, LG TVs, NVIDIA Shield TV, which I didn't know that was a thing, uh, Roku devices, and, of course, Samsung Smart TVs, um, and Walmart on TV. So this looks like they have a pretty good range of (laughs) devices that they're supporting. So if you have uh, a smart TV or an ability to run internet on your TV, you should be able to participate in this if you're a part of that beta group. Um, And so Verdu says, by making games available on more devices, we hope to make games even easier to play for our members around the world. While uh, we're still very early in our games journey, we're excited to bring joy to members with games. We look forward to hearing feedback from our beta testers and sharing more as we continue on the road ahead. Currently, uh, Netflix has 70 games in its mobile lineup, and it's aiming to offer 95 by the end of 2023. So more to come. So yeah, Netflix is definitely starting to carve out its piece of the pie in the gaming industry. Um, we'll kind of see what, what happens as, as we go forward. But I think this is a very uh, wise move, at least to, to see how this goes. So yeah, well, it's interesting that they're offering in Canada. Um, and I have a Samsung smart TV. So I might poke around with this and see if I can get it. Um, yeah. I like I'm actually really curious now because it looks like they have a too hot to handle two game that you can play. I'm intrigued about a hopefully some kind of dating game as I just started too hot to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Yay, garbage television. Um, but yeah, and then Queen Gambit's chess, which makes yes. total sense considering that was so big. And of yes. course, they've made Stranger Things games and things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, this is intriguing. It and is. Yeah, we in Canada often get to test a lot of things because uh, it's smaller population to be able to try and try and test stuff out. So uh, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to work. The connection between my phone, which is an Apple device and the Samsung TV, though, that's that I'm curious. Well, if you're probably over Wi-Fi, over Wi-Fi. But the thing is, then that the one thing that's really interesting. So my TV is hardwired. Um, I don't I don't have it. Well, it's hardwired to my Apple TV. So I feel like I have to unplug my Apple TV then so that the TV will use the Wi-Fi that my phone is on. Um, so I think that's like how it might have to work because my yeah. Apple, my Apple TV is hardwired, so it's not on Wi-Fi. So I'd yeah. have to, like, I feel like that's what you'd have to do because typically when you, like, if you're using a Chromecast or if you're using Apple TV and you want to, you want to stream it from your phone to the TV, you have to be on the same, you have to be on the same network. But you're so, not on the same network with your, with your hardwire in, you've got that on a different internet. Well, when I was using it before, when I was in my other place and I had my Chromecast, mm-hmm. I it didn't work over the Wi-Fi because it was if I had my Chromecast hardwired in, because I I bought a different um a different you can piece. dongle to put the Ethernet yeah, cable I in. Yeah, I bought the yeah. new dongle to put the Ethernet in. And so when I did that, I couldn't I couldn't Chromecast because it wasn't also hardwired in. So I, I don't know if that, Weird. that probably doesn't make sense. And I understand, but it just, maybe it was me not being smart enough, but I don't know. We'll have to see. But the, it's interesting on this article, it has like a photo of what the controller on the phone would look like. Um, yeah. And so if you hold your phone, you, know, you have to hold it, um, you know, obviously like a controller. And then on one side, it looks like you have an option for your thumb, like in a, like a joystick. So like you touch mm-hmm. it and it moves like a joystick and then you have all of your um, action buttons, you know, A, B, um, X and Y on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. So you move around on one side and then you you do action taps on the other side. So I don't know that'd be that'd be interesting um, to. Yeah, it's, it's to definitely do. more like. Uh, I guess the Nintendo 64 era. Yeah. yeah. One joystick. Yeah. yeah. And the only certain types of games you can play that way, right? I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of using the touchscreen joystick because I like the tactile feeling of knowing where my thumb is on the joystick. And you don't obviously get that when it's on the screen. I need to look at it to make sure I did like move my thumb out of the area of response. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the buttons. Like I, it's the muscle memory thing. It's like typing. That's why I like a mechanical keyboard because I yeah. can feel where the where the the buttons are. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm, when we're done here, I'm going to go give it a go and see if I'm in the beta group. Yeah. Maybe that would be, that'd be great. I mean, I, I hope too, that then they would include, like, if you're able to do a controller, if you wanted to do a controller, you would have that option and mm-hmm. you just wouldn't have to use your phone, but just for the beta, I can see, I can see yeah. this. So I don't I'm know. Su- yeah. Hmm. I'm curious to know how, how well it's going to run too, because I have tried, the game streaming on that TV and just because of the way my condo complex is and the Wi-Fi pods, it's kind of far 
from where the source is. Mm-hmm. So the streaming's mm-hmm. not great, but that's a very much like a me problem being in a large condo complex with multiple Wi-Fi's going on and, and concrete buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see how it works. Cause like essentially what happens when you download the Netflix game on your phone, on your tablet is it downloads a branded app that has Netflix that like kind of checks your Netflix account. Like it's its own game is downloaded. It's installed. Like you're on, you were on an airplane, Joel playing it. Yeah. Like you didn't have Wi-Fi mm-hmm. then, right? It's downloaded no. and installed. Yep. This is very much like cloud streaming. It sounds like, mm-hmm. like what Xbox is doing with Xbox cloud gaming. Mm-hmm. So it does require your system to, and your internet to be up to snuff to be able to run it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Cl- they said in the article, it is cloud gaming. So like mm-hmm. Netflix is, Entering into cloud gaming, which does hearken to the Activision Blizzard acquisition because a concern was about their rule over the cloud gaming atmosphere and the inability mm-hmm. for competitors to enter into it. So this would be an example of a competitor entering into that space. But yeah, it will be... I, yeah, I mean, it, and I when it's so easy to look at games on the tablet when I was looking at my iPad... And it was like, oh, like you're scrolling through just looking at shows and then all, of a, all the games pop up that you can just yep. go and download. So it, I didn't have to turn anything on or like access that. It just was there. Yeah. And then I just downloaded it and it, um, it it went right to the iPad and I booted it right up on the plane in airplane mode and it worked perfectly. And now I actually also have the game app on my phone. It automatically also downloaded to my phone, which I didn't do. So... I thought that was interesting. So I could play it mm. either way. But yeah. yeah. That might be an Apple setting where if the app yeah. is available on both devices, it installs automatically. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, that drives so. me bananas when it does that because I'll open up my iPad and then got a gazillion apps installed there. <laughs> and I'm like, I never installed these. Why are they here? Yes. So. That's okay. Mm. All right, folks. Well, that pretty much wraps up the show for this week. As always, I invite you to check out the show notes on girlsongames.ca for links to all the stories mentioned this episode. Thank you, Catherine, for always putting that together for us, especially since there's uh, a bunch of stuff we've talked about today. If you have the power to rate and review podcasts on the podcasting platform where you're consuming this content, it'd be much appreciated if you could do so. Why? It helps with discovery, pushes us up in the rankings. And additionally, we go and read all them comments. They help us build our show. So much appreciated if you can do that. This is also the moment in the podcast where I give the crew the chance to shout out their social media handles so you can follow them everywhere and anywhere online. Catherine, where can people follow you? I am C-S-D-S-B-I-N-S, C-S-D-B-I-N-S on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads, whatever. Uh, but you can always find me in the Girls on Games Discord. We got a conversation going for Baldur's Gate 3. Shout out to Darth for using suggesting the forums. Yeah, so for- yes. what is the forums? I saw this pop up the today when I was finally like kind of on my desktop. What is the difference? So instead of doing a thread, okay. which is under a channel, a conversation that gets... Um, forums are basically... It's a forum, but inside Discord. So you can make a new post... Mm-hmm. And then that becomes its own like channel. So okay. think about like BB, um, like a BB board or something. So um, this is, and it's easier to, uh, I added tags. So it's easier to search for a post. It's easier to find stuff according to tags. So any kind of like game specific conversation where people might not want to get spoiled. So we take it out of GOG gaming. And then mm-hmm. I find like threads. 
Like if you're not part of the threads, like you have to go into the channel and then you see that there are two threads. Mm-hmm. And then I think the forums is nice because you see clearly what we have active right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be easy. Uh, we set up Baldur's Gate 3. We set up Wordle because um, some of us post our daily results. Already set up Starfield. I'm sure we'll have more um, when CSGO 2 comes out. I'm sure Simon will have a lot of words. Um, so yeah, so if you're part of the Girls on Games Discord, um, and there's a game where there's a conversation is taking a lot of, and we don't want to spoil, or you just have this game you want to share with people, um, you could make a post. Yeah, I like it. It can be game specific. It can be like, you know, Leah, you could start a, uh, a post for cozy games, cozy sim games. Ooh, or like yeah. your, fla- your, your flavor things of that the I moment. Find, yeah, yeah. I do have a list of things that are. So, uh, yeah. So I set that up this weekend on the fly. Hopefully it works. But uh, thanks for the suggestion, Darth. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. go forth and post about games, uh, people. Joelle, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at JoelleLorn87 and on the space formerly known as Twitter at gamer underscore comfy um but nice. all day every day saying good morning to the lovely folks on the girls on games discord come check us out love it i'm leah you are most social media platforms but of course you want to know everything there's no about girls on games you could track us down at the girls on games on x slash twitter and facebook just girls on games on instagram and threads discord.me slash girls on games to continue this lovely convo and more like we were just talking about. But of course, if you ever need to find anything at all, you can track it down at our home base. That is our website, girlsongames.ca. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Joelle. It's been another lovely week in video games. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go download Palia. Maybe talk about that a little bit next week. Let you know how it goes. And uh, yeah, there's so many games. So many games. So many it's games. It's a smorgasbord right now as we prepare for the fall season because uh, it's August. It's August, folks. The calm before the storm. All right. Have a good week, everybody. We'll talk to you. Same bad time, same bad channel. Bye. 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 Bye.